Please, mister, get this trailer off me. Please help me. I didn't remember saying that, but he sure remembered hearing it. The man had tears in his eyes as he filled in the gaps in my memory, explaining that I had grabbed his arm when he came over to ask what he could do. He was the driver of a truck that was behind the 18-wheeler that had sideswiped our pickup, causing me to go flying off the side of our truck's toolbox and bounce up and down the hot asphalt of the roadway for 324 feet. When the pickup finally stopped, what was left of my right leg was trapped under a trailer carrying three tons of lawn-mowing equipment, and my back was a mass of third-degree burns from scraping along the pavement. I was just a kid at the time, eighteen years old, fresh out of high school, and working a summer landscaping job with a couple of my best friends. It was a great way to work on my tan and my muscles while making some spending money, and I liked the work. We had a boss we called Unk, an African-American in his late sixties with a grandfatherly manner who looked out for us. The housing authority of Camilla, Georgia, had hired us to mow lawns in the city's housing projects and some smaller surrounding communities. When we drove to the smaller towns, three guys would ride in the cab of the truck, and three guys would hop into the back and sit on the toolbox with their backs resting against the cab. Once we were all aboard, we would drive to our location for that day. On July 23, 1986, we headed to Norman Park, a small, unincorporated town near Moultrie, Georgia. I drove the truck that morning, way too fast for Unk's taste, as usual. Having grown up watching movies such as Smokey and the Bandit and Cannonball Run and television shows such as The Dukes of Hazard, whenever I went somewhere, I always wanted to see how fast I could get there. My friends and I liked working in Norman Park because it was a bit of a distance from Camilla. By the time we finished the job and made it back to the housing authority office, it would be about time to break for lunch. We always drove at or just under the speed limit on the way back because we were kids and were getting paid by the hour. Plus, you can't hit a road sign with a bottle at high speeds. Yes, we were mischievous, but not malicious. Whenever we rode in the back of the truck, we played games to see how many road signs we could hit. My competitive nature would take over, and soon we would be throwing cinder blocks and then larger objects until Mike McLean, always the voice of reason on our crew, would suggest that maybe throwing a table at a sign might be a little over the top. Once we arrived back at the Camilla Housing Authority, we'd partake of our favorite event of the day, eating. <laughs> With the metabolism of 18-year-olds, we ate anything and everything in sight. We would head to Guy Watson's house, which was within walking distance, and we'd scarf down soft drinks, pizza, and any other food that had not been properly hidden. We'd also watch television. Not just any television. It had to be Bodies in Motion, a half-hour fitness and aerobics workout show on ESPN. The star of this show was an Olympic athlete named Gilad Janklowitz, but that's not what kept us glued to the television. No, we tuned in to see Gilad's assistants, the most amazingly beautiful women, exercising in skimpy spandex outfits. These women put Olivia Newton-John and her physical video to shame. But even though Bodies in Motion was an intellectually and culturally stimulating program, it could sustain our knowledge-seeking minds only so long before our food coma kicked in.
Then we'd fade peacefully into a thirty-minute nap, and I'd dream about blades of grass gently swaying in the breeze until it was time to head back to work. All in all, it was a glorious summer experience.' 